horror 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 movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make a movie? I wonder what we'll be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess. We're a long way for God knows, son. Slowly Coming out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his mouth, distraction cool. skin. Nice. So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die, and he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence. Can we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions. But... <laughs> Thanks for your correspondence, Jacob. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode seven. It is a seven odd number, my pitch. Yeah, welcome to episode seven of Let's Make a Horror Movie podcast. This is the podcast where you join myself, Dave. And me, John. On our horror adventure, which basically consists of every episode, one of us pitches a horror movie to the other one, and the other one adds to it, yeah. I don't know, suggests things. I never really Builds upon it. Builds upon yeah. it. Yeah. Inspired by Insp- <laughs> Adds bits to it like birds would with uh, sort of mud and stuff to a yeah. nest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are adding mud. We're adding mud. So yeah, that's the podcast. Podcast is three acts. First act is feedback on last episode's idea. This is your, your pitch. Which was my one. So if you haven't heard that, you really ought to have. Yeah, what are you so doing? What are you doing? Go up back. Your, up your game. Listen to that. Put, put everything down. Yeah. Put everything down. And that. <laughs> <laughs> and then go back and listen to it. So yeah, act one is feedback on that. Act two is uh, John and I's cultural highlights of the mm-hmm. week, which... We try and concentrate on horror. Yeah, we do our best. We do our best. And then in Act 3, we hear this week's pitch, which, uh, as John mentioned, is his. Yeah. Because we're Episode 7. Yeah. Yeah. All the odds and you're all the evens. That's it. Simple system. So it's been a fucking crazy two weeks since the last episode. Oh, I've been mad. I went to Scotland sequestered myself in the yeah. wilderness for a while yeah back in the even bosom of your mother country that's it i went to visit knuckle abbey country i actually yeah. bought some orkney whiskey when I was, uh, not whiskey i'm lying orkney gin Ooh, i didn't know that was famous for, uh, i don't know if it is but yeah. everyone's making gin isn't They're, it like, everyone's everybody, trying to handle it every, everyone's got a fucking gin my neighbor's <laughs> got a gin it's like dave's neighbor's gin <laughs> you, you can get it in like uh bespoke yeah supermarkets it's just piss in a jar but they call it gin <laughs> yeah so uh so i think at the moment we are the only people in england not making a gin i've got time mate yeah oh, i have got a gin making kit that was gifted to me and, and you, i have not used well, you it you can start making your own it's a slow gin making kit oh slow gin's nice yeah i love slow gin this is what one my friend bought it for me ah well yeah. isn't that lovely yeah and it is living up to its name because i've not started it yet so it's incredibly <laughs> so yeah so it's been a crazy two weeks you went to well you know what we'll get on to you you went to fright fest yeah, mate, save it save you, it you had horror christmas uh so we'll get to that now spill act two into act one <laughs> well, i did that last time as well <laughs> i just can't wait you're just splashing wait. a load I'm, of things i'm then. hungry you are um, uh, you are a thirsty one. Oh, i am so i'm like i'm a thirsty chick just <laughs> i don't know uh, my brain's not really working. Sunday morning and... I mean, <laughs> just to clarify, 1pm. <laughs> <laughs> Still my morning. Morning consists of... It, it's all relative to when you get up. It is. It's it not is. relative yeah. to... I don't run by the, yeah. you know, the accepted Oh, norms. no, you are a real trendsetter. Oh, set on my own trends. Yeah. I don't see daylight or night time. No. I don't see that. No. I'm, I've, like, transcended that. <laughs> um, so, anyway... Uh, last week was my pitch. Yeah, the Haymaker's Daughter. Haymaker's very, very good. That's right. Um, Post-apocalyptic, would we say? Or would we say in-apocalyptic? So I don't even know if it's an apocalypse. Like, oh, okay. I see that as a slow decline. Mm. Or a quick decline. But, like, for me, I think of apocalyptic things as things that are somewhat out with people's control. Yes. So, like, that. meteor hits planet, yeah. huge natural disaster, but, I don't know, nukes go off. Yeah. And I know you could argue that nukes going off are within some people's control. Yeah. But in terms of the vast majority of people, you know, they're yeah. impotent when it comes to whether or yeah. not they want to launch or not never, launch never, never forget, we have no control over the nukes. Yeah. Everybody should never forget that. Oh, you mean literally we yeah. don't? Yeah. yeah. It America could happen at any has, time and we have no control. We, do. We, have, we have no control. That's true. Keeps me up at night. Trident is entirely controlled by uh, POTUS. Mm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Steady hands at the helm. <laughs> Steady hands at strong, stable genius at the helm. Look, uh, we don't want to get onto that. We're not, we're not a political podcast. <laughs> we're not political. And I don't even really know what any of it means. Last episode was uh, Haymaker's Daughter. 
So we've got some feedback from a uh, buddy of the show, yeah. uh, Jay Dubs. Who, <laughs> Hello, uh, Jay Dubs. Hey, Jay Dubs. I actually met Jay Dubs last week when I was visiting. He is real. He is real. And he's not just me. <laughs> um, and I made his nine-year-old daughter cry. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know. Just as I was leaving. So it was like... <laughs> best time to do best it, Best time to do it, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit of a to-do. How? How? Well, so it was. It followed this kind of uh, thing where... She's really into Harry Potter. Yeah. I'm familiar with Harry Potter. Who isn't? It's amazing. So I was like, oh, you're into Harry Potter. So she uh, quite rightly showed me her Harry Potter collection, I guess you'd call it. And I like already. So, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, you know, you're Modern talking... J-dubs. <laughs> you're talking Lego, you're talking ones, you're talking Fine. house badges, you, you know. The, nice. The, the usual stuff, right? Uh, then it transpired. So she's a Ravenclaw. Who as isn't? It I mean, as am I, actually. Who isn't? A lot of people. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, who's yeah. most of the other characters in the movie? <laughs> but so she was in Ravenclaw, and it turned out, much to her chagrin, I had not had, I had not been sorted. I'd never, I'd never sat beneath the sorting hat. My silence there is dismay. <laughs> uh, do you have a house? Have you yeah, been... Ravenclaw, mate. Really? Yeah. You're not just saying that. No, I really, say no. This no, isn't really. another. This isn't another. <laughs> I don't know any of them. It's not another Clive yeah, situation. No. I'm, I'm, I'm house Sith. <laughs> All right. Well, let's we'll say we'll say just for uh, brevity that I believe you. No, no, really, I'm very because they're, they're, they're all smart, aren't they? Well, there you go, J Dubs. <laughs> if you're listening, which hopefully you will be, you can let your oldest know that Lesser John is a Ravenclaw as well. Um, Shout out to J Dubs' daughter. <laughs> yeah, I could, I can't imagine she'll give two fucking hoots. Whoa, as to... <laughs> Ravenclaw, mate, it's a bomb. Anyway, you die with that bomb. So I did the sorting hat yeah. thing. By the time I got to the, because it's a whole thing. You've got to answer all yeah. these like really kind of weird esoteric questions. Yeah. No, you know, it's, it's like, serious um, business. Yeah, it's like would you rather the son had a hat on or was wearing a smile? Mm. And you're like, well, they're both pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. So you know, so it's all that kind of shit. Yeah. And um, by the time I got to the end, yeah. the sorting hat sorted me into Gryffindor. Ooh, right. Well done. And I. You know, having got the memory of a goldfish and yeah. forgotten what happened about four minutes prior, started going, started celebrating that I was <laughs> that I was in Gryffindor. Just like, yes, Harry Potter's house, yes, like that. And then Jadus, bless him, joined in, and oh, somebody else. I think actually, I think Jadus' youngest might have joined in as well. And we're all just jumping up and down, like, shouting Gryffindor <laughs> and punching in the air like and, a group of Slytherin. Yeah, and this is on my way out of the house. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, then I turned around and uh, I had made the Ravenclaw cry. We're an emotional bunch. Yeah. So, and then I, th- and then I thought, well, that's that's typical me, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's not many girls that Harry Potter makes cry, so <laughs> I would question the hats. Um, accuracy. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> I'm a double agent for Slytherin. Yeah. Let's even suggest that the sorting hat doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. Yeah. Yeah? Maybe? Maybe it's just a hat. Yeah. I mean, who really Fuck gives... off, you Leslie Phillips voice. <laughs> Peter I mean, Cloven. Look, all I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like we figure out who's going to be a surgeon no. based on what the flat cap like looks like <laughs> when it's on their head. It's not as if our country has a magic hat that we all go and visit <laughs> and think it's <laughs> somehow important. So, yeah, so J-Dub, sorry, he has written into feedback for us. Yeah. And again, apologies to your daughter. So... <laughs> she knows <laughs> I've offended me. <laughs> so, uh, dear strong female lead podcast, <laughs> I'll keep this briefish as well-thought-out responses <laughs> appear... I just got what he meant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll keep this briefish as, as well-thought-out responses appear counterintuitively to be unwelcome. <laughs> Well, let me just interject there, John, and say I'm sorry that last episode I... Look, all I, I didn't stop reading the feedback. I just... I said, oh, yeah. I don't know if we've got time to cover yeah. it all. Yeah. But then we did. So, you know, it's not unwelcome. It was just... It was there was a loose question raised. Dismissive like a true Gryffindor would <laughs> He says, I'm not picking favourites, but John, and he spelt your name J-H-O-Y-N... <laughs> drop, <laughs> drop on fire. Uh, the theme's starting to emerge in the podcast. So far, a clear love of Mad Max style near futures, a strong <laughs> connection to separated families, and a strong and strong daughters in particular. Yep. Apparently, we're running out a fifty percent clip for strong daughters as the lead, which I hadn't looked at. But I'm glad someone's running the stats. Yep. I do. I do have a strong daughter. Uh, she is the alpha of our. Uh, well, so here's the, apparently there are no stupid women in your universe. 
So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Sorry, hang on. Could he, could he name a few in ours? <laughs> well, I'm just gonna say <laughs> uh, on that note, right? You know, without wanting to get too philosophical about it, frankly, I suppose I think of women as having to be more wily, mm. more fucking on guard, yeah. more aware, because just you know, just altogether more reactive and responsive to the yeah. world we're living in, because they have a they have the fucking shitter deal. If you're yes. a white man in a Western culture, everything is everything is created and made for you. I think. I, I think to build on your point, I think women are, are asked to be more caring and asked to take more responsibility where men just bumble through and everyone goes, every time a man does think great, they kind of go, oh, well, well done, man. Well done. <laughs> Whereas like a woman is like, if anything's not perfect, it's like, oh shit, up your game, love. Yeah. So I, so I think in our stories, when I'm trying to write a character personally who is taking responsibility for an issue that's maybe not of her creation, I do automatically go for a female character because it seems to be more in line with what I know. Yeah, um, women do tend to uh, tend to be forced to take more responsibility, and um, I don't think you know. Just lastly on this, I, I don't think I set out to make women the, the non-stupid characters. I just think, broadly speaking, from my life experience, they're the non-stupid. They characters. are the non-stupid <laughs> yeah. characters more than the men are. The yeah. men tend to be the dumb fucks, yeah. you know, who make the bad decisions, who make the sort of penis-led decisions yeah. or whatever. And, you know, perhaps perhaps it's fair to say there are no stupid women in our universe, but that's a universe I'm quite happy with, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, mean I, think, I think horror, you'd be hard-pushed to find, particularly in, in, like, modern horror films where you where a woman is the sort of the, the, the point of blame. Because even when horror films, when you have, like, a ghostly woman or yeah. some kind of, like, specter or anything else, normally she's been wronged yes. and has been pushed to it. Yeah. You rarely get pure malice yeah. on, on whereas in a lot of horror films if you do see a character who's, who's completely um, pushed forward by their desire for just a hurt tends to be a bloke um, I guess I, it's, it's an just, interesting point it's an interesting point it just wasn't something I, I'd really thought about I um, think it's I think it's a fair thing to point out though because we have had a real run of uh, of female led stuff uh, but then again, I mean, I've I've put it down to we. I'm trying to I'm not necessarily emulate the best, but trying to maybe be inspired by films that I enjoy. Yeah, I guess. And yeah. I think with a few exceptions, like maybe the thing, um, you do tend to see the female character be the one who's the best audience, like surrogate. Yeah. Because they're smarter and they sort shit out. So it carries on. Regarding the pitch, I was wondering why is it hard to leave it, the UK if there is no infrastructure. I feel there's a missing element to this restriction. Maybe passport control is now privatized or the preserve of the rich. That's a fair point. I like. That's, yeah. I'd love to see some glimpses of a toothless government crippled with no budget due to a collapse in collecting tax and no real power, but still in charge on paper. So, I had in my head, I just sort of thought there is no centralized state, but those with money, mm. who probably were the people at the front end pushing for this kind of libertarian yeah. ideal because they're the least affected, yeah. uh, just like now, you know, they probably put some money into maintaining what it is they yeah. felt thought was important. And, yeah. you know, maintaining that sort of little Englander outlook would have been where they would have put money. So you probably would have had armed forces that are paid for by a cabal yeah. of, of rich people or, you know, wealthy interests, possibly former politicians or whatever. So yeah. I think... I think there's room for how you can do it well whilst still not having a centralised state. I do think as well that one of the characteristics of all extremely ideologically led states throughout history, whether it's been like Nazi, Stalin, like the Chinese ones, everything else, there is a great fear of outside influence. So no matter how things are within the nation, they, there is a very strong border control always. Because essentially outside ideas tend to get people wondering, wondering yeah. like, is this the best my life can be? Right. Um, I mean, I mean, even like the softening of the church, for example, was because of outside influences and also, to be fair, inside ones as well. But they do try and fight that. There's always been that kind of separation of like us and them. And that's always enforced by some kind of border control. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think he raises a good point and I think he's right. But I think it, it is implied in the story. It goes on to say, part of the propaganda game could be the police lying to the politicians 
about their behavior and the state of the country on the streets. The government may believe they are doing well with limited resources. Obviously, they will have elected themselves as in power and in perpetuity to provide stability um, and as such may never leave the palace of Westminster. Yeah, that's cool. So, which is a fair point. Uh, I like that. I love the cold open. You could potentially tie in the initial incident into rippling collapse spreading from London and driving people out. Otherwise, it's disconnected from the story. So yeah, that is actually how I'd seen it. The cold, the cold opening scene of that was to try and show you before you move to the protagonist yeah. and you find out who the story is about. Yeah. It is essentially to try and set the scene of what's yeah. happening in the urban centres yeah. now. You could actually have almost a kind of uh, Marvel-esque post-credit scene returning to Clarence and his friend. <laughs> so even though the Hemmicker's daughter does actually escape. England is still England. Yeah. And it's only just gone inside. So it ends kind of, book ends itself well with a kind of Clarence-esque character looking upon the state of play and how worse it's gotten. Yeah, so he's got some other good bits here. So Clive needs to die at the end due to his past as a cop. Uh, he doesn't deserve the redemption from what he Yeah, heard, actually, so. you know what? I, I, I actually do agree with that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with that. Fuck two, Clive. two weeks of chewing it over. Clive, sorry. Fuck you, Clive. Yeah, our first Clive has come and gone. So I don't know, because we did float the idea of Clive getting his head yeah. blown off right in that final scene yeah. when, when they're getting pulled aboard the, yeah. the international rescue boat. So maybe that's what we do. Or maybe he uh, goes back to try and save Ben, who you'll mm. recall was on the shore getting... Yeah minced yeah and so you know oh, gentle ben <laughs> i like ben as the head down it will all be okay farmer i think you hit a good seam of conflict that'll drive it on oh here we go so uh <laughs> potential movie titles oh libertarians gandun tune which i guess is, <laughs> is, is, is written is written geordie it's a libertarians gandun tune <laughs> we're gandun tune yet ah. um brexit in berwick <laughs> or Brexit from Berwick. Bye bye Boris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on a bit jaunty, a bit current theme. Clarence and the Train of Doom. <laughs> uh, marvelous Miss Maisie and the thinly veiled satire of the current political climate. <laughs> or, I have no idea what he means. <laughs> don't know. Don't get it. Jewish, mate. Three men and a little lady with guns. I like to have <laughs> quite a sort of pro women piece of work, but a very sexist title. Three <laughs> men in a skirt. So uh, yeah, thanks, Trade Dubs, uh, yeah, as always you. for your feedback. Always uh, great, always appreciated. And keep them uh, coming, mate. Yeah, uh, to a- any other listeners, you uh, can uh, email us at let's make a horror movie at gmail dot com about any of the pictures from any of the episodes. Yeah. Or you can tweet us at LamamPod, L-M-A-H-M-Pod. Yeah. With an app you can see me trying to be funny and not working. Or you can even head to our Instagram, which is just the same name as the podcast, uh, but I think without podcast. I did a, did a tweet about quiche the other day. No one find it funny. I don't know what to make of it, mate. I'm, I think I'm just too old for this game. Mm. You should have been up at the Edinburgh Festival uh, with me, mate, because I think... That kind of comedy gold yeah. would have gone down a treat there. Oh, it was great. I yeah. mean, I mean, I've been put. I mean, I'm throwing out as pearls before swine, mate. <laughs> great. Well, I guess on into Act Two then. Yeah, cultural um, highlights. I mean, I think I'd be remiss if we didn't touch upon Fright Fest. Horror Christmas. Yeah, it was. It was always fantastic, and those guys absolutely smash it every single year. I'm not going to talk about every film because it would go on for too long and it'd be tedious. Yeah, quick highlights. Uh, yeah, quick highlights. Main main sort of highlights I want to mention. Um, Why Don't You Just Die? It was an amazing Russian. Um, I want to say Tarantino-esque, but that gives a wrong impression. Mm. It was a kind of um, thriller, kept you on the edge of your toes. Incredibly violent, but very good. Spiral was an hereditary-style mindfuck, really, with a same-sex couple in the 90s against what appears to be some kind of cult one to watch out for i say it's like it's like hereditary but in some ways it's maybe not quite as um not quite as amazing in certain areas but better in others so just the end particularly fits the story better than than with hereditary so yeah really great and the best film was daniel isn't real which is like drop dead fred meets hellraiser one of my favorite films of all time sadly actually. presumably not starring rick mail not starring rick mail i know it, but it does star patrick schwarzenegger 
Arnold's son. Pat Schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old Patty Schwartz. He's absolutely amazing. It plays the imaginary friend. It, it, I don't know if it's available to watch anywhere yet. When it is, everybody should watch it. It was fantastic. And I'm reading a book that it's based on called And This Is How I Was Saved. Again, halfway through, it's brilliant. Oh, would we would we be thinking that that was your if you had to pick one is that your oh there's quite a lot of subtext about about mental illness that the book leans into more but the movie leans into other themes more yeah so I would say they're both they both they both fit nicely sure but uh, in terms of your number one fright fest pick yeah number one I would say go for the movie but oh, the book's amazing I've not finished it but I mean, no, yeah I think you're missing my question. Out of the <laughs> films that were showing at okay. Pride Fest, because they don't show books at the at the no. film fest. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so out of the films Cut that were showing at Pride Fest, <laughs> yeah. no, the book yeah. chat's good. Yeah. And we all like we all. Well, I say we all like books. Those of us still capable of reading, I think, still enjoy them. Um, books are good. Yeah, we like books. We we like books. Okay, so good, but. Uh, out of the Fright Fest movies... Daniel Isn't Real was the best film I've ever seen at Fright Fest. Wow. Out of all the five years I've been going, I didn't have quite a strong reaction to anything because I did this one. Oh, and also um, Ready That's or cool, Not. That's cool because we saw Victor Crowley at Fright Fest. Victor Crowley is a close second. That is an absolute joy of a film. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Isn't Real just touched upon some stuff that I really absolutely loved. I won't spoil anything, but it is fantastic. Is he not real? Sorry, no, mate. No, you have no, to no, watch. No, you have to watch. I was trying to trying to get involved in spoilers. the answer. Will surprise you. <laughs> um, we also watched Ready or Not with uh, Samara Weaving. Yeah, um, absolutely brilliant. I think that's going to get a big release. Yeah. I, you'd you'd be a fool to yourself to not go and watch it. I smiled throughout. Do you know the live action of Lady and the Tramp? I don't know if you've seen the trailer for that. Um, but it's, it, most of that, it's about an hour and a half. It's all just going to be dogs fucking yeah. on screen. Rutting. Because like that's that. what would happen. Yeah. That's what would happen. There's a lot of butt sniffing, a lot of rutting, <laughs> and then a lot of digging through fucking horrific garbage. Yeah. This is the thing, right? The poster for Lady and the Tramp, the, the new one, yeah. has them doing the spaghetti thing, you know, the famous <laughs> scene, right? And somebody, um, some genius on Twitter pointed out that that wouldn't actually be spaghetti yeah. in this kind of true-to-life version. It would be yeah. like used tampons and like toilet roll and just... Yeah, and it's true. Like my dog... He's always I, eating I, I don't, I look, I, I'm not one of these people. I never, I never look at something and, and, and start and go, oh, that makes me feel nauseous. Like that doesn't really happen yeah. to me. Like if I feel nauseous, it's because I'm genuinely ill. Yeah. The only two times in my almost 40 years of yeah. life that that's happened has been seeing the things that my dog has gone to eat. Wow. And right, one time he ran off into the woods and he came back with something. And this is how I would describe it, right? It looked like if you took a big rat, yep. skinned it, yep. just de-glove the yeah. fucking, fucking rat <laughs> of its entire yep. skin, right? Then ate it. But in like a well, single gulp rather Ooh. than masticating. Yeah. And then it goes through the whole digestive system and it comes out in shit, right? Ooh. So so imagine you've yeah. basically got a sort of red raw cadaver of a rat yeah. that's kind of bloody and minging and covered in it something doesn't sound shit. great. My dog went and got that in its mouth and tried to eat it and <laughs> I had to tear it off him. And I was almost vomited all yeah. over the... It was the most disgusting that's thing rank. I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and so that... That is what Lady in the Tramp, the live action film, <laughs> really should be. It should be that. It's that. I, it's would, just, I, mean, I would watch that. It's just an hour and a half of the audience with their hand over their mouth going, oh, oh my God, just it's not going to be. fingers. Wait, is that one eating the other one sick? <laughs> you know, I remember not the first, a kid's film. <laughs> first time I ever tried an oyster, I was about 12. And I did it in the back garden because that's where you eat oysters, particularly in the Midlands. Yeah. <laughs> we, we call it the oyster room. <laughs> um, and then I ate an oyster. It's like in... high society. You're all there in like top <laughs> hat and tails. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sicked it up and the dog we had at the time ate the sick, uh, the, the vomited go. oyster. There you go. And that is the live action laying in the trash, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And that is cultural highlight the reason I'm even talking about it is it should be classed as a horror film yeah. because of the the visual horrors that yeah. should in theory play out if oh, it's yeah. anything like where it should be yeah. but this is why I'd argue it should have stayed an animated thing because yeah. I, I, I'm half expecting in the Cats movie to see them pissing up walls oh, they're gonna be just mark, constantly the marking their territory yeah. everywhere yeah like I just <laughs> want to see Idris Elba just lift a leg and piss on one of the other ones mate we all do <laughs> anyway 
<laughs> that's culture covered for, for last fortnight. So I haven't done anything horary really, um, um, because I've been in in Scotland. But I did go to the Edinburgh Festival, and I would just uh, this is an horror. But I went to see a guy called Adam Hess, who anybody who likes British comedy will already know of because yeah. he's very funny. But if you haven't heard of him already, Adam Hess, H E double S, fucking great. And also went to see Jenna Friedman, who is a great American comedian, and her album is online. It's called American Cunt. So if uh, you haven't heard or listened to that, get involved. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I've heard good things. I'll be listening to it this week. Yeah. So there you go. Under a minute of non-horror content. Yeah, it's fine, man. Life happens, man. We've had this before. So what if I wanted to spend half an hour talking about Andrea Dorkin in the second (laughs) episode? It was gold. Anyway... (laughs) Oh, if this is the first episode you're listening to, sorry, don't go back and listen to episodes one and two. Oh. Or if you do, just skip to the story yeah. third act. So I made Young Girl Cry. I saw mm-hmm. some good comedians. It's <laughs> a classic Dave Holiday. <laughs> yeah, if one of them hasn't happened. I mean, yeah. I don't basically. I don't go back to work unless yeah. <laughs> one of those has happened. Um, oh, when you when you came back from Cyprus, mate, and made a single girl cry, you were livid. <laughs> you were. I just went out and found the first one I found. Was just, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're shit it was, it was clumsy but effective <laughs> okay um, yeah I don't think I've got anything else to I, I, I feel not. like loads has fucking happened I'm sure more stuff will come to me you'll have yeah. to excuse us listeners John and I have been fucking around for two weeks yeah. with very busy lives yeah. and I feel like the structure of the first two acts of this, this particular episode may have suffered slightly it's like shifting sand but we're trying to build a house on it nevertheless yeah well <laughs> Okay. Um. <laughs> I think I, I think I aptly sum sum that up. On that note, I guess it's probably time to move into your pitch. Oh time. yes, yeah, pitch. And um, this one is not based on a dream. So. Well, that's good. So, <laughs> thanks for uh, for all you all you people who do. If any, if anyone actually skips to Act Three, which I don't know if anyone That'd actually ever madness. does, but the crazy bastards. Yeah. But if you did, welcome to Act Three. Yeah. Hello, I'm <laughs> Hello. John. Get yourself a cup of tea. John's about to redo a, a nice little story. It's a two pager, this one. So um, bear with me, everyone. I'm just going to light a cigarette for the for the journey, yeah, mate, mate. Yeah, yeah. Taking yeah. one for the journey. <laughs> All right. Cold open. Yeah. It's a very short cold open. This one. We pan across a forest floor. The mud and leaves are slick with blood. The wind shifts the leaves and we hear monsters giggling from an unseen source. That's your cold open. That's all you, all you got, mate. Wow. Yeah, keeping it quiet this time. It's nothing, nothing bombastic so in that So we're just one. getting um, a seat. A, sh- a real, like, like, kind of slow pan. Uh, maybe the credits start rolling. You just see, like, kind of blood slick on the, on the leaves and on the moss and stuff. And you hear kind of like a strange gargled laughing. That's, nice. that's all, no all you got. Nothing. No, no things. Yep, it's all, that's okay. just all you got, mate. Work with it. <laughs> it is autumn in Minnesota. Mm, not in the Midlands oh today. Oh my god! And, the but cold... and specific state as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh wait, I've got it down to the town. Um, I haven't. I uh, really <laughs> wish I could do a Minnesotan accent. Is that one of the? Uh, it's not one of the ones that sounds ever so slightly Canadian, is it? I think it might be. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Yeah, like I think. <laughs> yeah, like that, but nothing like. That. Okay, yeah, like that, but completely different. Yeah, a by, bit Canadian. Done by someone who knows what Minnesotans sound like. <laughs> well, thanks for picking one that I can't do the voice for. You <laughs> bastard! All right, so we see a Scottish gentleman <laughs> <laughs> in Minnesota. <laughs> Where are you going? Yeah, mate? yeah, he's, he's an expat. Yeah, yeah, he's living in in Little Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> it's autumn in Minnesota, and the cold is starting to come in. Amy and Scott live together in a small town are enga- and are engaged. Both work um, quite locally and also both live in Scott's parents' annex, um, but have got a happy life. Scott in his father's gardening business and Amy in a local real estate office as, a, as an office clerk. They spend their free time in a local cinema, favourite bars, hanging with old school friends. They have comfortable and social lives. However, Amy keeps Scott to consider moving away to a new life. He argues that the life is comfortable and fun and that their friend, the time with their friends is full of laughter. Amy argues that they spend their time having meals with Scott's parents, drinking and getting stoned with friends and telling the same old stories, never making new ones. This hurts Scott's feelings somewhat, but as he likes his life, it's not a bad life. But also his lack of ambition is also hurting Amy. So that kind of just, so you act one's many like no, certain scenes, really... certain life. I mean, I said they haven't got a bad life. That tightly sets the scene. Yeah, they haven't got a bad relationship either. It's just they've got slightly different sort of opinions of where they yeah, want to be. Yeah, but you've got you've got a, you've got a kernel of conflict that exactly. actually, if never yeah. if never resolved, 
will just continue to grow. Yeah, I mean, mate, bear with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, so basically, yeah, that. So I mean, we all like getting, you know, hanging around, getting stoned. And oh, yeah, I mean, it's hash, great. Rehashing old stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, new stories. I got loads of them. I'm like a living glass menagerie, you know. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm a Tennessee Williams character. I'm just resting on my laurels from yeah. my high school days. A real use to Captain of the team. <laughs> I don't know what team. It doesn't matter, mate. doesn't right. matter. As this long as team. you're the captain of the team when you were 16, that, that's what really fucking matters. Oh, yeah. If your best days are in school, you've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Act one ends with Scott and his father on a gardening job on a large estate overlooking the woods. Someone calls from the tree line, sounding d- 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 distressed, but there's a slight kind of like um, laugh to their voice, like someone imitating a scared child. Scott calls over to his father that he's going to check it out, and he enters the woods. Um, all the other sounds are instantly muted as he crosses the threshold and all he hears is a high-pitched voice saying that it needs help as it is lost. Scott wanders through the trees and is shocked when he sees a strangely shaped creature almost folded in upon itself. He stares at the the shape, unsure what he's even looking at. Then the odd childlike voice speaks again, this time it's clearly coming from the shape. It giggles and then says, I'm glad you came. It has been such a lonely place. And the creature rises to its full height, easily 800 feet. Scott scrambles back, turns away from the creature and attempts to run. The creature laughs again, but the, the, but the childish giggle becomes a more guttural, spluttering shriek. Something hits him hard on the back as he runs and forces him to the floor where he loses consciousness. End of Act 1. Right, act 2. We open with Amy rushing to hospital as she's heard that Scott got attacked in the woods. All of Scott's family are present and reassured that he's a bit battered and bruised, but okay. She enters the hospital room to find Scott cheerfully eating his way through a pudding cup, while recounting a story to a few of their friends. There's a large number of sweet wrappers and empty, empty pudding cups scattered around the bed. So I've heard pudding cups is a big thing in hospitals in America. <laughs> a little bit of local knowledge there. <laughs> that evening, everyone has left, leaving just Amy half asleep by his bedside. And she's woken by the sounds of movement. I feel like Amy needs to cut and run. Um, Amy, like, come on. <laughs> Amy, we Amy. all know how this is going to go down. <laughs> At this point, you just sigh, you draw a line under it, yeah. you say you your goodbyes your there, and you just, go, you just go. You yeah. get in the car and you just second start on the left, straight on till morning. <laughs> you don't look back. <laughs> I mean, that's how you ended up here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. This exactly is like word for word. exactly how I ended up. Yeah, here. I've stolen this from before. From my, real, my true life story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Which Amy- you can see on the ID channel. <laughs> <laughs> or for those in the UK, pick. Yeah, <laughs> it's always on After Dark. <laughs> or read about it in Chat Magazine. Sorry. <laughs> um, Amy is half asleep by his bedside and is woken by the sounds of movement. Scott has left his bed and is crawling across the floor, chewing on the empty wrappers and leftovers of his earlier meals. The corners of his mouth are cut by the plastics he's been biting into, like the empty cups have sort of scored his lips, that kind of thing. There's an exchange between a frightened Amy and a manic Scott. During this, Scott's skin becomes increasingly pale and pallid. All the while he's begging her for more, but it isn't clear what he wants more of. Suddenly he abandons talking to her at all and crouches on the floor. He begins to giggle and his skin begins to move strangely, but is no longer connected to his body. Amy cries for help, pushing the alarm, assuming he's having some kind of seizure or, or like a bad reaction. Plus, he has been attacked. Yeah, and he's in hospital. Exactly, maybe he's been stung or something. Um, A doctor and nurse enter the room, and alongside Amy, they watch as Scott transforms. Pale fingers reach from inside his mouth, bloodlessly stretching his lips apart. Soon, a long white arm follows. Slowly, coming out of his mouth. Crawling out of his mouth, stretching his skin. Slowly, a white skeletal creature with sunken eyes climbs from Scott's empty skin. It falls upon the floor like a sick, stillborn calf. It is a Wendigo. So now I'm going to cut here just to quote, because um, Wendigo is a kind of Native American sort of spirit or creature attached to hunger and starvation. I'm going to read the, um, the actual, uh, not official, but like how they are described within that culture. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Um, no, emaciation. Sorry about that. It's dissected <laughs> it has skin. has also become emancipated. Yes. From, from <laughs> yeah. Scott's body. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's dissected skin pulled tightly over its bones with its bones pushing out against its skin. Its complexion, the ash grey of death and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looks like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from the separation of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odour of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. So that's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. There we got some Wendigo in this shit. Hell the fuck yeah. Mate, it's all fucking Wendigo from here on out. 
<laughs> so the horror of the situation hits the doctor first as she rushes out of the room to call security. The nurse attempts to push to paralyze Amy after her, and a newly born Wendigo giggles, stands up and smashes the overhead light, causing both the nurse and Amy to scream as they escape, as they try to escape. The Wendigo grabs the nurse's hair and pulls her back into the room. We do not see her fate, but the sound of snapping bones and ripping flesh make it clear that she does not survive. This begins the largest portion of the movie as the Scott Wendigo creature begins to murder and feast its way across the town. Seemingly, it appears to be tracking Amy as she goes back to Scott's parents' home, where the creature has beaten her to it. It kills everybody there, including Scott's parents, but not Amy. She then escapes to a nearby friend's house, where again the Wendigo devours those closest to her. Once the creature's, uh, creature's head to her place of work to feed there, she realises that, that it is still at some point Scott, and is feeding on the pl- people and places that matter to him. She comes to the conclusion that she must try her best to stop the Wendigo that used to be her fiancé, as she sets about hunting the bastard. Because, you know, he's basically in everybody she cares about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So act, so, so that's mainly act two. I act- mean, at some point, it will get to things like, it will go through tier one yeah. people she cares about, yeah. but eventually it will get to, like, the people behind... Postman. The, the, yeah, the postman, yeah. the guy serving fast food. Yeah. Like, the guy behind the counter at the that, garage. That guy you, she you, always catches eyes with yeah. going to, like, the, going to our You need to be able to buy confectionery and cigarettes yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. you, you, you can't yeah. do that if fucking Wendy was going and taking Eat it everybody. out. everybody. Yeah, know. I mean, you want to see a comfortable face now of, of, of someone you know. Yeah. The Wendigo vaguely recognised. <laughs> <Yeah>. The Wendigo, <laughs> mate, doesn't like that. Yeah. He's, no, all, he's all about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, using the knowledge of their life together, she managed to save a lot of their friends from the Wendigo when it attacks their favourite bar, bar by beating him there. That some part of Scott remains is, is, is evident by the Wendigo's reluctance to actually kill and eat Amy. So they sort of face off and right. maybe he will kind of hurt her, slash her slightly. But I'm thinking Alien 3. A little bit like Alien yeah. 3, yeah. So there's definitely, there is like a recognition there and she picks up on that. Oh, and just at this point, if anyone hasn't heard, just a quick note that on Audacity can listen to the audiobook of the screenplay of the film of Alien 3. Um, I just mentioned that because I've served that ad probably 50 times a day and I'm, ne- I'm never going to listen to it. So uh, just if anyone, but if anyone wants to know, the, the Audacity seem really fucking keen that people listen to that particular audiobook. I've heard it's a belter. Stephen Fry um, reads it. <laughs> oh, I would listen, listen to, to that, that. yeah. <laughs> weird when he, when he does all the voices it's like the set it'd be like the eighth harry potter because he <laughs> yeah. did all those yeah um the b story of the movie revolves around a town deputy called um callion cow to his friends with a native american background who at once recognizes a creature from the attack at a hospital as a wendigo from the stories from his folks because yeah, 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 yeah. it's a kid's kid story pretty much he's linked to amy and scott's friendship group he joins forces with amy non-romantically to help stop the monster he fights still believing that scott can be saved as a wendigo joins with souls that have a great starving hunger within them and he doesn't think scott is like that because scott's a good guy he's generous and he's kind he's a, he's a good guy no it's great and this is where uh, just i always think well this is where i separate from horror movies because <laughs> i wrote scott off the when he was in hospital before the Wendigo even yeah. climbed out of his mouth. To be honest, mate, he still lives in his parents' annex. <laughs> so I was just like, "Done, oh, get out of there, Amy. Like, come on. But, I mean, obviously, they've all grown up together. It's a very small town, so there's a certain sure. amount of um, connection sure. to them. So he doesn't believe that, that, that Scott has a starving hunger within him. He He's such an optimist, this guy. He is bloody cow, mate. Yeah. I'm even writing him out as furious. <laughs> we've got spit for all over the page <laughs> so he believes that Scott will be an imperfect host and thus could be saved his family tell him that to kill a Wendigo he must either get the soul of the host to reject it or remove the monster's heart and then shatter it this is all again reasonably accurate to what they sort of believe to folklore yeah. yeah cool so the movie's climax takes place in the woods where Scott was initially attacked so after the so the Wendigo returns there after Amy and Cal severely injured a creature in the bar so the bar's going to be the, the main sort of action point of the movie that's, is that is that what beginning of act three then the bar yeah, yeah. Sort of well thing? yeah I mean like yeah end of act two beginning of act three yeah. sort of thing so like so you'd have seen the Wendigo just fucking just eating people and just devouring most people in yeah. the town they're like they managed to turn the tables on him using what they know um and also amy's sort of imperviousness essentially to to wound the creature quite severely um they're confronted in a muted dark patch of the forest where le- where there lays an old man's body on the floor who's revealed to be the last host of the vendigo his body is um, emaciated and skeletal the wendigo's wounds begin to heal in front of their eyes cal attempts to reason with the monster using details of scott's life to calm it how Amy, however, realises that Scott is a perfect host for the Wendigo, as he did have a starving hunger in him, and that was for the past. His, his inability to move on with his life was like a hunger that could not be, could, that could never be fed. 
Um, so again, that's his. That's the sort of way in for it, really. Mm. The Wendigo goes to attack the pair, injuring Cal, but not killing him, just injuring him. Um, but Amy refuses to back down. The creature's eyes then become more like Scott's as it drops to its knees, exposing its chest. Amy then cuts Scott's heart from the Wendigo's body with her face streaked with tears and blood. The heart is pumping, but it is stiff and brittle like a pine cone. She smashes it, both freeing and killing Scott. Nice. That's the end of the movie. Well, so God. that's a bit more of a concise story than I'd normally tell. No, it's nice. I like it, man. I like it. I think I love. I love Wendigo. Obviously, the only other film I can think of with that is yeah. Pet Cemetery. And again, because the when, original, obviously, I'm, yeah, haven't seen the new one. Because Wendigo became a sort of a, a a little bit of a metaphor for, and again, I'm using the quotations of the time of a kind of like of like the white man's hunger. Because mm. quite often, if like people were talking like like cannibalism, the Native Americans who found them after so long did Wendigo got them. Yeah, with influences them. here, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I use a bit of that as an inspiration because I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah. And it's in Pet Cemetery, it's used as like a corrupting influence. Yes. So again, True. similar sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas in that is obviously the hunger is for, for his family. One thing that I, I'm aware of is that nostalgia can be, is one of those things that it's, it's a hunger that makes you starve. And I think that kind of ties into a little bit of what the Wendigo would kind of go for. Sometimes people's inability to sort of uh, move on. I guess for me, the, the, the main question then is, where are we deriving the horror from here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, I mean, for a, a creature movie, yeah. which I think this one yeah, feels also it's more a in that creature direction. Thing. Yeah, very much like a werewolf sort of thing. Right. So for normally for a creature movie, I, I tend to think that the less that you can show the yes. creature, the yeah. scarier you can make the film. Yeah. And then you can have a reveal you know, towards the end or the yes. third act or whatever. This have kind of gone a bit different with that. Yeah. But did you or did you not? I mean, because because yeah, you've got an opening scene, but that yeah. scene doesn't have anything in it in yeah. terms of so we're not yeah. seeing the Wendigo there. You know, the next time we see it is when it crawls out the guy's mouth. But you could have it get sort of like a third of the way out, or even just get its arms yeah. out before the light smashes. Yeah. So the rest of it's in place. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Yeah, you could and do then that. you could do a lot. Of it, your second act, where you know it's basically working its way through the town. Yeah. You know, at no point do you really have to show You're right, you the could, monster. You could, could just show yeah. bits, flashes, like enough to yeah. scare, but you keep that question in the back there. Definitely. Like, what, what is it? What does it really look like? Because there is definitely a supernatural element to Wendigo by its nature. So, like, when she goes to, like, the parents' house, and that's going to be the first real cost, because that's going to be two people that you've invested in and, and have been defined as characters, yeah. whereas, like, the nurse dies. But, again, it's grist for the mill unfortunately yeah whereas Scott's parents but yeah you could have it where Amy arrives too late there completely Wendigo's come fed and gone because obviously there's a certain amount of stress to the whole situation and also presumably like we don't know the characters in the film presumably don't know it's a Wendigo yet I mean at no. some point only really Cal has any idea <laughs> yeah what was Cal's full name again Callian uh, the reason I chose Callian is because it means the defender of life in um, in Native American. I don't know what particular Native American it was. More research is needed. Because I thought his character being the one who's trying to defend Scott more, whereas Amy, being closer to Scott, knows from what's been told about Wendigo, she can spot already that he is incredibly vulnerable to that. Yeah. And maybe when they're like, oh no, we can save him, she's like, I'm not sure it's going to be that easy. As much as she would love it to be, she's she's a reader. She's a pragmatic person. So, I feel as well, one thing, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but one thing I feel we'd have to inject into the screenplay mm-hmm. is a fair amount of arguing and exposition around what the fuck is happening. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously we know, because it's yeah. a horror podcast and we yeah. know you're pitching a horror movie, yeah. so we're making a whole load of assumptions. But for the, for the again, were it to become a screenplay, the characters at some point are going to be like, what the actual yeah. fuck is this and yeah. what the actual fuck is going on. So I, I think you could do that because I, in my mind, the whole thing takes place over, say, maybe five or six hours. Yeah. So it's a very quick narrative, very, very yeah. sort of choppy. One thing I really want to avoid in this is any kind of mystic wise people. Uh. Because I, don't, I think that's a terrible trope. I don't think oh, it I works. Just... Sorry, I just assumed that you had it. Um, the ending was that they used a dream catcher yeah. to beat him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just I just I, yeah. I guess I read in between the oh, lines. Oh yeah, oh no, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Carl's wearing a full head of ferrets. 
<laughs> I mean, obviously, he's a small town cop. Um, so I wanted to like, so when they meet Cal's parents, um, again, it's not sort of like, oh, on the edge of town, there's a, there's, there's, there's a woman like 120 years yeah, old. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, this is a kid story. And it's like, I've just seen this play out yeah. in exactly the way that it's, it's described. How would you feel about having a secondary thread in there yep. where, and this is clumsy and clunky, but just to try and illustrate what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like the police maybe think something that Cal is doing it. You know, commonly in these kind of things, a nice secondary string is to have somebody not believe them, you know, and, yeah. and and so they're fighting on two fronts. Yes. They're fighting the reality of the horror they're facing. Yeah. And then they're fighting, say, the yeah. authority or, or an authority figure or a series of authority figures you who could, don't believe yeah. them or who have, who have misunderstood what's going on. You could definitely have the rest of the, of the police force doing that. So another question I have, though I don't know much about the Wendigo... Yeah. Um, mythos if yeah. you will i mean i know in comic books it's represented mm-hmm. as a thing yeah so as a physical entity yeah but certainly uh i understood that perhaps there is a uh, there's an intangible element to it too am, yes. I, am I correct yeah, it is definitely a supernatural thing it's definitely yeah. from everything that i've read it's they it seems to be more about a, a, a possessive spirit right more than it is an actual creature although the creature does have attributes so you could you could fold some of that in as well yeah. for some of your scares, for some of your deaths yeah. even. You could have yeah. stuff where it isn't necessarily tangibly doing yeah. something to somebody, yeah. but it, you know it's the malign influence. Definitely. I mean, like, because I mean, at one point, like I mentioned, like, they, they go to, like, a, a cinema quite often. Mm. You could, there's a whole scene you could set in a cinema where the creature's not def- not beaten yeah. and just kills a load of folk. And they should and be watching uh, the original Pet Cemetery. Obviously. Yeah. That'd be amazing. That would be That'd be really cool. I think, that, I think that's a cool story, man. I, I, I like that kind of stuff. I, I like... Did you like I think there's a lot of cool North American mythology. Ironically, I was... Not ironically, but uh, coincidentally, yeah. I was reading up on the Mothman stuff. Yes, yesterday. very interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, I thought yes, it was awesome. really interesting. But yeah. I, I tell you what I love about that story, right? Yeah. The Moth, so for anyone that doesn't know, I'm sure everybody does, but for anyone that doesn't, during the uh, late 60s and early 70s mm-hmm. in, oh God, it's like Ohio and Virginia, I think. It's, yes. And they, uh, there's all these sightings of what they say is like a like a seven or eight foot tall humanoid looking mm. flying creature but yeah. without a head and the eyes are set at a kind of shoulder level and stuff right and loads of different people seemingly uh see or have sightings of this yeah. creature at night none of them are during the day um well, and, then, and then and then but here's the thing right so here's what i love about this story is that at the end of it the sightings stop when there is a massive tragedy where a bridge collapses called yeah. I think it's called the Silver Bridge I, I could be getting that wrong that I forget what town it is but it's in one of those states uh, but the point is all these sightings for years and then uh, a bridge uh, tragedy happens where a bridge collapses and a lot of people die mm. I think it's about 50 people so it's yeah. you know, and then there's no more thing. and then there's no more sightings right yeah. so what's the natural if you take those two factors yeah and just ignore all else what is the natural logical conclusion you would draw from that what, what would you think that the moth was supposed to, was supposed to like warn people about a bridge <laughs> you fucking know <laughs> yeah, you mate fucking I know moths that's I it. know men <laughs> if I know moths I know moths try and warn so that's what that I I honestly that is exactly that is exactly what people think and I'm like that is the fucking most stupid natural conclusion yeah. you could the the first natural conclusion you would draw from that is that if it was a person mm. they were one of the 50 people who died well mate that... not that they were trying to warn people about the bridge and then because that theory if you go by that theory you're like okay well he failed at warning people about the bridge he also was never around the fucking bridge but... FYI <laughs> like if he was trying to warn people about the bridge you think he'd be flying around the bridge mate going, he's a moth don't go around the best... bridge don't go around the bridge or however he would talk right? yeah. but and then and on top of that so it doesn't save them the bridge goes down people die and he's like oh well job done <laughs> you know no why aren't you warning yeah. people about the next disaster like I if mean, this is your thing <laughs> this is your raisin d'etre is to quote yeah. unquote warn humans in yeah. the most kind of bizarre and unrelated you would ways assume like, he would have been in new york on september 10th so it's like the, the first people that saw him were like a group of like five fucking forestry workers or something <laughs> at night 
and it flies. Oh, I'm not spinning fl- away. You said it, that at night. Five forestry workers said that it flies over them, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, we saw this thing fly over us at night, and it had red eyes." Yeah. Well, I know. To me, I was like, "Well, that's a warning about a bridge collapsing." What what, poss- what bridge could it be? Yeah. Let's let's two let's work this four, out. Mate. It's the most fucking stupid. Like <laughs> it, it's unrelated. It's not even like there's a thread you could jump from yeah. from one to the other. It's it's completely unrelated. And they're like, so if a bridge hadn't fallen down, there could have just been like a house fire or like a Burger yeah. King collapses or something. And they'd be like, oh well. Well, you know, no one's seen Mothman anymore, so he must have been here to tell us that Burger King have run out and barbecue sauce, or you know what I mean? Like that must yeah. have been why, because that's that yeah. it coincides. The dates match up. That's how it works. Yeah. Anyway, I don't remember. Take that, Mothman. I can't remember why I was starting that now. Are I went on such a rant. By the Mothman well, I was incensed by you fucking knowing exactly <laughs> where I was going with it. Uh, I just know how Mothmen work. No, they're specifically they're bridge yeah. warning creatures. Yeah, Traditionally, yeah. Like, uh, if you look yeah. up the mythology of Mothman, it's all about yeah. um, bridges, engineering yeah. of bridges, warning. That day, that, that day when I when I dropped, jumped in the pool with my phone, I saw a Mothman right on top of the hotel, just sitting there looking at me. Mm. I didn't, I didn't heed his warning. Well, and it cost me a phone. By that point, the warning was too late. Yeah, yeah, I was it? in the pool. But ironically, or not ironically, I keep saying ironically, but I mean coincidentally. <laughs> No more sightings after you've nope, brought your phone. Not, right? since. not warning you about no. anything else, is it? No. No. Yeah. Well, there you go. Twat. <laughs> God, I wish I could listen back to the start of this rant and figure out what my point was going to be in relation to your story. But I, I <laughs> well, a Sunday, Sunday morning rant. There yeah. you go, Mothman. Honestly, and there's like there's there's a film <laughs> there's a film about Mothman which I haven't seen. It's not bad. It's not. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's Pierce Brosnan. I want to say. Uh, it's Richard Gere. Yeah, you know, same person. So, yeah. An older actor that I, I've, I've, I've got no opinion on whatsoever. You know, when I, I, yeah, I was reading about this stuff yesterday, and I ventured onto the Wikipedia, and I saw that there was that film with Richard Gere, and my mind immediately, because I'm thinking horror, mm. and then suddenly Richard yeah. Gere's name's mentioned. All I saw was just an arse parting and a hamster clawing its way out, <laughs> <laughs> like of, of a sphincter. <laughs> Which I think is fucking horrific yeah. as a visual. That's a true horror. As a visual, and if that's a, just a shot, you just yeah. hold that shot for the full time. <laughs> you don't cut away. You don't. Yeah, you yeah. don't blanch at the horror. <laughs> so that's a, that's Dave's pitch for the week. <laughs> it's just two hands dragging cheeks apart, yeah. and a hamster desperately clawing its way out of a sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a fire inside. <laughs> Wow. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've got a slightly off topic. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, just a touch. What about names? Have you got names? Do you got um, a working title? Oh, really? God. No, I haven't got a name, really. Um, I wanted something like Hunger or Empty or something, but I couldn't think of anything. Um, and Empty Skin, maybe. Empty Skin? Yeah, that's quite good. Because I good. also think as well that's uh, an apt uh, metaphor for nostalgia in general. In a way, in a weird kind of way, that it, 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 you can, it, you can it force lo- it to fit. You? <laughs> you can, you can. It, like nostalgia, it looks like something, but it's actually nothing. Oh yeah, we got no. I got no. I got nothing. So uh, <laughs> if you've got a good title for John's movie, uh, please do tweet us. It's uh, easiest what thing a to knock do. out of the park end. <laughs> I've got nothing. Yeah, anyway, well, look, I guess that's about, that's about it. Uh, if you've got a good title for John's movie, if yeah. you've got some ideas you want to uh, share... Who's going to be clear if you've got a better title? Because mm. I think yeah. we've got a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it sounds like you're saying, oh, we've only got shit ones. No, no, well, we've only got one. <laughs> yeah. And normally what I like to have need, a mate? couple for us to choose from. Oh, sorry, one, one for the international markets. <laughs> It was like, yeah, I like to have a couple for us to pick from. What would you call the film in, in Asia, for example? <laughs> yeah, write in with ideas for that. Uh, tweet us at Pod, email us at let's make a horror movie at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, generally just get involved. If you didn't think this episode was fucking amazing, then previous couple. On, on your bike. Previous couple will <laughs> oh, really, yeah, 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 they'll fill your boots because they're. We weren't recorded on a Sunday morning after uh, we've all had long drives. Yes. Cool. Well, uh, let's make a horror movie. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Ta-ra.